You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. Let's start in verse, chapter 13, verse 2. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are, uh, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. She goes and tells her husband this wonderful thing. And uh, he went and seeks out the angel of the Lord. And, and the angel of the Lord appears to him. Look at verse 17. Then Manoah, verse 17, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name that when your words come to pass we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord, listen how many times that is repeated, said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? It is inconceivable is what that word means. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up towards heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces uh, to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. His wife assures him, and then in verse 24 it says, So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Verse 1 of chapter 14. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went to up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all the peop- uh, of my people? Uh, that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. That phrase in the New American Standard Bible says, She looks good to me. By the way, verse 4 says, But this father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. That does not mean that God meant for him to marry an uncircumcised Philistine. It was against Israel's law to do this. But it just means probably that God used it for good in spite of it. Look at verse 5. 
So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah, to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father and his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. Now, this has got to be at least a year after he killed the lion. It has to be. Uh, it takes about a, a year, two years for them to build up enough honey to, to get it. And then verse 9, he took some of it in his hands and went along eating when he came to his father and mother. Now, he, he got this honey out of the dead carcass of this lion. I don't care how good it tastes. I'm not eating that honey. And he does a wise thing. He took some of it in his hand and went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them. And they also ate, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. That's a good thing. My mother would have whooped me. I'd been 50 years old. She'd have whooped me for something like that. Now, he gets in a riddle mess with a bunch of these Philistines and they secretly go to his wife and his wife or his fiance tells them the answer to the riddle. He's promised them many things. Look at verse 18. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? They said, they asked him what sweet his, his, uh, his riddle was in verse 14. So he said to them out of the eater came something to eat out of the strong came something sweet. What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Does everybody understand what Samson was saying? I'm not a smart husband. That's what he's saying. He called his wife a heifer. <laughs> if you had not plowed with my heifer, if you hadn't messed and with my wife, you wouldn't have got that. So what does he do? He goes down and kills a bunch of men and gets their clothes and he brings them back to them. Verse 20, and Samson's wife was given to his, and he left. He just left this, uh, this uh, 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 basically an engagement party and he just left with his mom and dad and they just left. And so they supposed, the, the dad of this woman supposed that he had, didn't want her and so he gave her to his companions. Uh, who had been his best men. Then verse 15 says in verse 2, her father said, I, he came back for her, and the father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her, therefore I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, this time I will be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. In other words, he was mad. He was mad. Verse 4, then Samson went and he caught 300 foxes and he 300 foxes and he took torches turned the foxes tail to tail put a torch between each pair of tails and when he had set the torches on fire he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and olive groves this is a huge undertaking he basically destroyed all of their grown food 
When it's uh, verse 6, then the Philistines said, Who has done this? When they found it out, uh, they uh, came and they burned his wife and her father, her family. And so verse 7 said to them, Since you would uh, do this thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you. After that, I will cease. And he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and, and dwelt at the rock in the cleft of the rock at Edom. And the Philistines went and they were, of course, they had overthrown Israel and they oppressed them. And so the uh, country or the uh, uh, tribe of, Le- of uh, Judah comes to him, verse 11. 3,000 3, men of Judah went down to the cliff of the rock at Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. And they said to him, we've got to take you to them. And so he said, all right, you bind me. I'll let you bind me. You can take me to them. But don't y'all do any harm to me, he says. So they agreed in verse 14. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. In other words, he just tore off the bonds like they were nothing. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey... Heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. Now he takes a jawbone of a donkey and with it, he said, this is the famous story of Samson killing this thousand men just with a jawbone of a donkey, a big piece of bone about that long. And he does this. And I heard someone say, if God, someone, if you ever ask if God can use you, can God use someone like me? And I've heard it said, if he can use the jawbone of a donkey, just think what he could do with the rest of it. (laughs) So there's your answer. Didn't find it as funny as I did. Okay. Then verse 18, then he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord, and he said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? <laughs> Listen, you're, you're a mighty man. You can run fast. Surely you can find a pond somewhere. Verse 1, chapter 16, then Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot there, and he went into her. And when the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they were quiet all night, saying, In the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. And then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gates of the city. Now listen to this. Listen. He took hold of the doors of the gates of the city, and the two uh, gateposts pulled them up. Uh, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. They didn't have aluminum and, and things like that back then. These were iron gates or bronze gates, and they were large. My friend, there couldn't have been a group of men that could have picked these gates up by themselves. But God gave this man special power. He heaved them up on his shoulders, pulled them up out of the ground, and went for miles uphill most of the way to this next city which left the city defenseless by the way after it had verse 4 after it happened that he uh, and after this 
Verse 4, after it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now here's the most famous story of Samson. And the Lord of the Philistines came to her and said, get him to tell you where his strength is. That's basically what it was. And so verse 6 says, Delilah, and they offered her a bunch of money. I mean a bunch of money. Uh, th thousands upon thousands of dollars to do this. She would have never had to worry about another thing. And they offered it to her to find out the secret of his strength. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength is, lies, uh, uh, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. <laughs> Oh, this man. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. He's lying to her. He's lying to her. Y'all get that. So what happens? He goes to sleep, and she does this to him. And in the morning, she says, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And verse, they come, and he breaks them off, and he kills everybody. <laughs> And then verse 10 says, Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what is you, that I, uh, you may be bound with. <laughs> and he goes in and he says, Well, if they bind me with, uh, securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall be like, become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes, bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. I don't know if she sounded like that, but I'm just... <laughs> And the men were lying in wait, saying to the room, but they broke them off of his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, until now you have, well, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what may, you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave, <coughs> if you weave, if you weave seven locks of my head into the web of a loom, and he lies against her, tells the he, she does it to him, tells the Philippines, Philistines, and he kills them again. Verse 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it comes to pass when she, and it came to pass when she, Listen, pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And that was the truth. Now listen, are y'all listening? And Delilah saw that the hand that he had told her all his heart, and she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once, once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hand, uh, and brought the money in her hand, in their hand. They brought the money in their hand, excuse me. Then he, uh, she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from sleep and said, I will go out as before as other times and shake off myself, shake myself free. And one of the saddest phrases in all the Bible, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. 
They took a hot auger or a hot spoon, a hot forked spoon, like a spork, a spoon with a V in it, and they would, and they gouged it in his eyes, behind his eyes, and they plucked both of his eyes out with this thing so hot it was burning orange. Philistines took out both of his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. Oh, listen to this. When the people saw him, they praised their God, their false dead God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts... Now, this wasn't just some little party. These were thousands upon thousands of people in this temple. And so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. And Samson said... To the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed not counting the ones underneath the roof. Then Samson called the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which support the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right hand, right, on his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people that were in it, so that the dead that he killed in his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all of his father's house came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtiel in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 24 years. The real title of my message is Brightness That Dimmed Too Soon. I think I've changed it on the overhead. But that's what I'm calling it, the strongest yet the weakest. When I was a kid growing up, I was always taught this story of Samson. And I had it in my mind that Samson was a great man. Well, he was a great man if you consider greatness physical strength. But Samson's birth was announced by angels. Most commentators believe that this was Jesus himself, a Christophany, the angel of the Lord. If it was just an angel, that privileged birth, that, that, uh, what a privileged birth must have, it must have been. Forgive me. He is in the ranks of few people. Isaac, John the Baptist... Jesus himself, and that his birth was announced by angels. 
He was a Nazarite, not a Nazarene. A Nazarene is Jesus was a Nazarene. He came from the town of Nazareth. This is a Nazarite. It's a Nazarite vow that God had established in the Old Testament law. He was a Nazarite, which meant that he was not, now listen, listen, he was not to touch a dead body. He was not to touch anything from, the vi- from a fruit vine, a grapevine, or anything like that. And he was not to let a razor touch his body. He was not to have a razor touch his head. Samson was the mightiest man physically that the, Bi- or, uh, that the Bible or the world tells us about. His beginning was... His beginning showed great promise. His parents showed great piousness. His conquest showed great power. But his decisions brought great pain. Spurgeon said of Samson, Though he had great physical strength, he had but little mental force and even less spiritual power. His whole life is a scene of miracles and folly. Now, young people, I want to preach to you. I think you're good kids. You know that. But you still got a lot of life left. You hadn't incubated all that long. You haven't been out there. And that's a great thing. Enjoy your youth. The Bible says you ought to enjoy your youth with good things. But I want to warn you about some things. And I want to give you some advice. Now, whether you take or not, I don't know. We'll see. But I pray to God you will because it's not just Ron Owen's advice. It's the word of God. And you may never wind up in a mill with your eyes plucked out and your head shaven, grinding for your enemies. But my friends, spiritually, you could wind up in the devil's mill house, blinded by the devil, being a disciple and a worker of his by the decisions that you make. Samson was sensually minded. That's my first point. He was sensually minded. We could say he was fleshly minded. This doesn't necessarily just mean, although this was his problem, uh, sexuality. But this was his problem, and it is a problem everywhere. Every man has an appetite for intimacy, physical intimacy. There's nothing wrong with it. God gave it, but he gave rules for it. One man, one woman, after marriage, for a lifetime. And if you don't think God's serious about it, it is one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. And by the way, God means what he says. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. But Samson was sensually minded. Samson's conquest and life revolved around three women. Nothing wrong with women. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We just saw some great women up here lead us in worship. We see great women leading this church everywhere all the time. But he had three pretty lousy women. They're lousy women too, aren't they? First of all, we see his choice of a wife in 14, 1 and 2. He chooses a woman from the enemy's camp. It goes directly against the law of God for Israelites to marry someone from a foreign country, especially those who had... Uh, other gods and this woman no doubt did he chooses a woman from the enemy's camp directly going against God's law and going against his parents wishes ah here's another one one of the big ten honor your father and mother obey your father and mother that the days that you have on earth will be long 
He slays a lion on the way to his wedding. He gets into a riddle mess with the wedding party. He kills 30 men of Ashkelon to pay his debts for the riddle. He destroys the Philistines' crop with 300 foxes, tying their tails together and putting a torch and setting them through this field. He destroys the Philistine crops with these 300 foxes because... They had deceived him over his wife. He was mad at them because they deceived him over the riddle. He destroys the Philistines' crops, and then he goes and burns his... They go and burn his fiancée, and so he goes and he kills bunches of Philistines. The Bible doesn't report how many, but a bunch of them. The children of Judah turn against him, his own countrymen, because he's making life tough on them. He's not delivering them. He's making life tough on them. And they take him bound to the Philistines and he kills a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. That all revolved around that wife deal. All that came about because he wanted a woman from an idolatrous people. Number two, then he goes and commits fornication and adultery with a harlot. He gets a prostitute and he goes into her. This is where he carries off the gates of Gaza, or Gaza, however you want to pronounce it, and he carries them 38 miles uphill most of the way. Tremendous physical strength, Superman strength. And then he gets into his folly with Delilah. If she wasn't a Philistine, she was loyal to them, or else loyal to herself. She was all about the money, or at best, she was a malicious greedy woman blinded by lust listen to me blinded by his own fleshly desires Samson could not see her obvious lies and deception I think after the second time I would be smart enough to know this woman's trying to do something to me Samson who was to be now listen to me listen this, this is true of all of us in a way but Samson who knows what Samson would have been Maybe he would have been Samuel, the Samuel that followed after him. If he'd have done what God wanted him to do, because he was supposed to. Samson, who was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord, was consecrated, now listen to me, to his own pleasure. When he should have been leading an army, he was laying in the lap of an enemy. 1 John 2.15, listen, memorize this verse, repeat it to yourself every time you leave the house. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. By the way, do you realize the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life? Laid and I was talking about this the other day, that this is the original temptation of Satan. He tempted her by the good-looking fruit. He tempted her by her hunger. And he tempted her by her pride. Well, God's not telling me something. I can know more if I eat this fruit. I'll feel better.
better if I do this drug. I'll be smarter. I'll be accepted if I drink that beer. I will be better for doing. Listen, I want to, I want to have that relationship with that guy, with that girl. It'll make me feel good. I want to tell you, it will. Uh, being drunk apparently is fun because people do it over and over again. Uh, and uh, the, But Moses said, that, or the Bible says of Moses, that he chose to suffer affliction with the children of Israel rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, listen, for a season. Always understand this. For every sin, there is a payday someday. There is a payday someday. The biggest hindrance to the work of God and the biggest hindrance to your growth in Christian walk is the desire for earthly pleasure. This old flesh. This so far, it's the only thing if you're saved. If you're born again, it's the only thing that we really fight against and the devil, of course, is the desires. There's nothing wrong with having an appetite to eat, but gluttony's a sin. There's nothing wrong with some of the pleasures and the delights of this world, but doing them outside of the confines of God's rules always brings disaster. Yeah. Always. 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 Samson was, number two, selfishly motivated. Selfishly motivated. I'm going to shorten my sermon here, but I, I, I usually point out Judges 14.3 at the end of that. This is what Samson said. Listen to what he said. Get her for me, for she pleases me well. I want that woman, although the Bible says we shouldn't marry other people from other places, but I want you to get that woman for me because she pleases me well. Judges 15, 7. Samson said to them, since you would do this thing like this, I will surely take vengeance on you. No, no, excuse me. I will take revenge, revenge on you. I will avenge myself, basically. Look down at verse 16, it says. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, he, this is a song he sings, he makes it up. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. Judges 16, verse 20, and he said, the Philist- she said, the Philistines brought you, Samson. So he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Judges 16, verse 28, the last thing he says Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. Oh, God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines. For what? For my two eyes. What a contrast he is to the other judges. Now, listen, you may not know this, but there are other judges in the book of Judges. And these are some of the judges, and this is what they said. Here are some of their catchphrases. Here are some of the things they said. Very great contrast with everything. And I just read to you everything that Samson said. Ehud said, I have a message from God. The Lord, and this is what else he said, the Lord has delivered. Deborah 
the only woman judge, one of the greatest women of the Old Testament. And Barak, uh, her, her fellow compatriot, said, Praise you the Lord for the uh, avenging of Israel. And Deborah wrote a song. The whole song is all about the worship of God for his deliverance of Israel. Gideon cried, The sword of the Lord! And Gideon. Jephthah said, and by the way, very little is known of him, but what is known, this is what he said, the, Lord's the Lord, the judge, be judged this day. That's what he said. What a great phrase. Let God be God today. You know what Samson said? As they did unto me, so I have done unto them. That's what Samson said. God, give me strength that I may avenge your name. No, that I may avenge my two eyes they plucked out. He loved to flex his muscles and probably considered his hair a thing of beauty. God hates pride. He hates pride. And he draws near to those who are broken in a contrite heart. God is not those who are broken in a contrite spirit. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 12, excuse me, says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. And Samson thought he stood, thought he stood on his own, but he forgot that it was God. Wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be neat to be able to pick up gates just right out of the ground? I mean, I mean a, a cyclone gate. I mean, just anything. I'd pull it out of the ground and carry it for 38 miles. That'd be pretty. Wouldn't it be neat to kill your enemies with the jawbone of a donkey? Not get a scratch on? Wouldn't you love to be able, if a lion were to jump on you, just to rip him apart like Superman? I mean, that'd be cool. And apparently Samson thought it was cool too. He loved it, but he fell. He fell. See him shuffling through the streets, bound with fetters, his head bleeding from the razor that cut his hair off, two burnt sockets where his eyes used to be. See him where the ox, see him where the heifer usually was. I'm talking about the actual heifers should have been ch uh, chained to the mill, grinding the enemy's food. See the enemy mocking, spitting on him, hitting him while they praise their gods for the delivering him to them. A little boy, a little lad leads him to what will become his final conquest. What in the world was his downfall? I've told you some of it, but listen, this last point, Samson was spiritually misguided. Young people, please listen to me. And I don't mean to be pointing. Adults, you listen to me too. A lot of times the reason young people aren't spiritual is because they don't have examples to look at. Why don't young people pray? Do they see parents pray? Why don't young people have a, a, a time in the Word of God? Do they see you having time in the Word of God? Why don't young people serve and, 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 and uh, others? Do they see you doing that? My friend, the Bible's not a bunch of commands to young people. There's a few things specifically. When I was a youth director, I never had youth messages. I, I just got a conviction. I don't have youth messages. I have soul messages. I have a message. Listen, if it's a sin for them to smoke, it's a sin for you to smoke. If it's a sin for them to drink, it's a sin for you to drink. If it's a sin for them to watch filthy television, it's a sin for you to watch tele, uh, uh, 
sinful television. Don't sit here and complain about the kids when you do the same thing yourself. You just learn to do it a lot quieter. Uh-oh, he went to preaching. But young people, I do want to talk to you specifically, not because I'm getting on to you, or not because I think any of you have a problem. But I just, we need to know these things. You need to know these things. But you need to be a spiritual person. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you, but I think every one of you that I know and see have confessed that you know Jesus as your Savior. And if you don't, admit it. Come to Jesus today. But I think everybody here has, has said that the, you're, if you are, you have the Spirit of God living in you. And it's not going to be very long whether we know or not that if it's real. Because the Spirit of God causes you to want to live right. Amen. But you still have a stinking flesh to contend with. And you know how you fight it? Now, I'm telling you, I've told my kids this. I've told them since they were babies. And to the time they learn, listen, if you never start it, you don't have to fight it. You take that one drink. You take that one smoke. You take that one drug. You take that one action. And it leads down a road that can never be satisfied till pretty soon you're doing things because you're hooked on it. And it all started with one marijuana cigarette, with holding the hands with the wrong person and making decisions with the wrong person you shouldn't have made. And pretty soon you're fighting a feeling and a desire that you never had before you ever started. I'm telling you the best thing to do is just don't do it. And you don't have to fight. Oh, I mean, you will. Everybody has to fight temptation and things. But listen, I'm telling you, you already know this yourself. You have things in your life you fight. And you know how. Remember back before you did it, you didn't worry much about it. But now it's a constant enemy that drags you down so many times. Make right choices. But don't just make right choices because it's, you know, it's good for society. It's good for me. It's socially good. No, you make the, the, the determination to do right because it's what God wants you to do. Amen. And you love God and Christ. And you don't want to bring shame to his name and to his church and to his people and your parents. That's why you do right. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph was uh, accused of something awful. A woman wanted him to have a, a relationship with him. She was married to his boss, and he said, and he, he told her, he said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin, not against Potiphar, the man, not against you, the woman, not against myself, sin against God. If you love God more than anything, you can fight sin. You can fight sin. Samson did not. Samson did not. Samson's Nazarite vow was broken on every level. We always talk about how they cut his hair and that made him lose his strength. No, that was just the last straw. He touched in the dead body of the lion and much celebrated conquest of the thousand Philistines with the jawbone of the donkey was actually a breaking of his vows. Do you realize that? We, we celebrate that story. He was sinning before God by touching that bone. He could have done him with his fists. He didn't have to touch that thing. I'm sure there were rocks in the field or sticks. 
We find him twice walking through the vineyard. I'm losing my voice. He found him twice walking through the vineyards of Timnah in chapter 14. He allows a razor to cut his hair off the top of his head laying in an enemy's lap. Samson probably didn't think anything about his haircut. After all, he had touched dead bodies and still nothing happened to his strength. He had been in the vineyards and had no repercussions. Why should this one be any different? But it was, and he did not even know that the Spirit of God had left him. Samson was to be separated to the Lord. He was specially supposed to be separated to the Lord. He marries a Gentile idol worshiper. He commits adultery with a harlot. He takes orders from himself. <clears throat> he flirts with another enemy woman. Listen again to the great quote after he slew a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. Even in his death, he sought vengeance, not for God's name, but for his own. And Samson called on the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me. Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. He was misguided into believing God was not concerned about broken vows. He was misguided into thinking God was not concerned with broken vows mm. and disobeyed commands. In conclusion, and listen, will your life, young person, listen to me. Adult, listen to me. Does your life and will your life. Let me tell you something. God's not calling you to do service sometime in the future. He's calling you to do it now. And I don't need to preach to you that because you just did it up here. But don't stop. Fix that VBS. Don't wait for mom and daddy to do it. You get up and do things. You do it. Don't wait for Miss Teresa to clean the building. If you see something spilt, wipe it up. Be a servant. You see someone in need, you supply that need. You be now the servant of God, and later you will be a stronger servant of God. Amen. And you'll be blessed. I, now listen, i got to go, good night. Be like Paul. Don't be like Samson. Be like the apostle Paul, who we just finished in Acts 29, as he went to Rome, he was there for a few years, had a great ministry, and then his head got lopped off for the gospel of Jesus Christ. His head fell down, but his spirit went up. Yeah. Listen, be, be someone like this. Listen to what Paul said. For me to live is Christ. Say things like that. For me to live is Christ. Say things like this. He said this in Philippians. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Believe that. I'll give up everything. I'll give up my education. I'll give up my job. I'll give up my money. All for Christ. Whatever he wants, I give him. Be like Paul when he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Say things like that. Say things like, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say things like that.
Say things like this. Paul said, lastly, but none of these things move me, nor do I count myself dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Say things like that, young people. Say things like that. 